Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Alberta declares a state of public health emergency as the Premier apologizes. We have no choice but to face the grave threat of this fourth wave head-on. That is why today the government has declared a state of public health emergency. Aaron O'Toole tells voters the Conservative Party has changed. If we're being honest, you've been let down by parties of all stripes, mine included at times. I just want to say up front that I know my party has ground to make up, so I'm here to listen to you. I want to know your thoughts, your hopes, fears and dreams. And I hope when Monday rolls around, even if you're uncertain about your vote, you'll look at Canada's Conservatives a little differently. Justin Trudeau reacts to accusations that he's not progressive enough. I think it is cynical of Mr. Singh to continue to pretend that there is no difference between a Conservative government and a Liberal government. I understand that he's open to working with a Conservative minority government. Perhaps that highlights and underscores the fact that he doesn't have a real plan to fight climate change and he'd be perfectly happy with uh, Mr. O'Toole's plan. But we're not. It's Thursday, September 16th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. We're joined by National Post columnist John Iveson. Good morning, John. Morning, Mark. Let's talk about what's happened in Alberta. It's obviously uh, a major reversal for Jason Kenney and his government. He even apologized yesterday. Uh, the, the government of Alberta was, was trying to declare the pandemic over and open everything up again and move on as though uh, there was almost nothing to worry about anymore. And now they've had to reintroduce all kinds of measures to to lock things down because the rate of infection has grown so much it could overwhelm hospitals. What does that say about uh, uh, where we stand with the pandemic, the risks that are still in front of us, and some of the political decisions that have been made about this at the provincial level and the federal level? Yeah, well, clearly the, the Alberta government got it wrong. They're now admitting they got it wrong. You can't imagine that Jason Kenney's political future can survive that, whether it's immediate or long term. I mean, it is such a, uh, you know, a, a life and death decision that, that they got catastrophically wrong. I mean, Ontario's got three times the population and one third of the number of cases. So clearly, major uh, reckoning is coming for, for the Alberta government. It does have an impact on the federal election too. Justin Trudeau came out on the weekend. We were, I was with him in Oakville. And he made the comment that um, vote liberal if you want to end the pandemic. And it seemed a very presumptuous thing to say at the time. But then you know, the next day we were in uh, British Columbia and the chief medical officer in, in Alberta had come out and said, uh, you know, we got it wrong and I apologize for that. And it enabled Trudeau to link Jason Kenney to Erin O'Toole and saying, you know, can you imagine Aaron O'Toole and Jason Kenney around the table discussing how we're going to end the pandemic? It would be disastrous. So it, it kind of, uh, you know, it, it kind of linked the dots, if you like, at that point. And I think, um, you know, obviously Trudeau himself is vulnerable, given that he called an election when, the, when it seemed that the pandemic was dormant, and it quite clearly is not. And that thing has not gone away. The idea that um, people are still angry about a, a, an unnecessary election during a pandemic uh, you know, I, I've been on the road, you know, every taxi you get and you start talking to people and uh, people are bringing this up without prompting the fact that the, the uh, an election in a pandemic is not a good idea. 
So, so Trudeau is not invulnerable, but it does not work well for Aaron O'Toole to be linked at the moment with Jason Kenney in any form. And remember, Kenny supported O'Toole's leadership. So, so they are, there are plenty of photographs around of Kenny and O'Toole together, and it would not surprise me if we saw a liberal attack ad that, uh, that actually focuses on that relationship. Yeah. So where do you where do you think we stand, John, with just a few days left in this election campaign and all of the opinion polls suggesting that the liberals and conservatives are either tied or within the margin of error of each other? Um, I, I imagine that that probably favors the liberals. They they didn't win the popular vote last time, but they formed a minority government. They won the most seats. So uh, what are your thoughts on the final few days of the campaign and where we are heading? Well, I've talked to people in all three major camps, and uh, there is a, a, an accord, a consensus, that this really is uh, too close to call. Because you're right, while the, the, the Liberal vote is more efficient, there is the, the prospect that Liberal voters may not go to the polls. And there is an enthusiasm gap on the Liberal side. You know, even Liberals are not particularly happy with having this election. They're not totally enthralled with the way that uh, Jason, uh, that Justin Trudeau has, has run that campaign. And I think it's only really in this last few days that he's, he's really started to, to, uh, to get his mojo back and, and start talking about climate change and, and childcare uh, with, with some effect. I mean, he's been talking about them the whole time, but it's really not uh, galvanized progressive voters. There are signs that the, the NDP vote is softening a little but not, it's not in free form. I mean, it was, you know, this time in the last election, they'd run out of money. The NDP had uh, run out of money. They had a good performance from Jagmeet Singh in the, in the debate, but they weren't able to capitalise on it. And, and, and we saw their vote, you know, they lost 2 3 4% in the last few days of the campaign. They're, while their vote is softening, it's not in free form. So, you know, are those progressive voters buying the kind of liberal pie piper routine, which always seems to, to lead them into the liberal columns on the, on the final days? It remains to be seen, but it, but it doesn't seem to be happening in great numbers at the moment. And many of those liberal voters may not turn out. I mean, this is the, this is the great uh, thing that, that political operatives always talk about, is getting the vote out. And I think that there will be many more conservatives who are motivated to vote than liberals. So, you know, you, you might say that that's, uh, that's a wash, the, the, the liberal efficiency of the vote compared to the motivation of conservatives to get out. Anybody you talk to says this is a white-knuckle time. It's not easy to predict. I mean, I think that if you are forced to make a bet, uh, a, a liberal plurality is probably the most likely option. Uh, but that, you know, if they come in with less seats than they, than they went into the election with, it's going to be a very uh, troubled time for Justin Trudeau when he comes back into, back into power. Yeah. And what about the prospect of strategic voting? Justin Trudeau, of course, has been appealing to other progressive voters, NDP voters in particular. Uh, that has worked for the Liberals in the past. I'm not sure it will work as well this time. Uh, and then on the other side of the spectrum, you, there is this split going on between the People's Party of Canada, which has risen a little bit recently, and the Conservatives. So how much do those kinds of considerations come into play, do you think? Well, you know, the, the NDP thing is, is a perennial for the, for the Liberals. There is a regional thing going on here. I mean, so in British Columbia, the, the NDP are still strong. They're not losing. Um, they're not going to be losing a lot of votes there. Uh, although I was with Trudeau in, um, 
Richmond the other day and he wheeled out Andrew Weaver, the, uh, the former Green leader, who is also obviously a climate scientist. And he came out and said this liberal climate plan is the, the one I've dreamed of my whole life. So that might have an impact in, in British Columbia. But I think that the, the NDP vote will hold in BC. John Horgan's uh, government, I mean, the, the NDP are, are a, a unitary party pretty much across the country. It's not going to particularly got a regional uh, wing of the, the NDP. So those folks are out and they're well organised and, and I think the NDP will be fine in BC. I think it's in Ontario. Will there be strategic voting in Ontario where, where NDP voters end up with the Liberals? They have done in the past. I think there's evidence, uh, less evidence that it's happening this time. The NDP are very conscious that it might happen and are, are you know they they reserve money so that they had enough money to buy advertising over this weekend. I think it's it's not going to be as big a phenomenon as we've seen in the past, 2004, 20, 2019. On the, as far as the PPC, yes, the PPC is rising, but I think it's probably plateaued. And everybody I speak to said, you, you know, you would think it was a straight one-for-one one vote that, that Conservatives are going to the PPC. They say it is not. Those votes are coming from all over the place. They are people who don't generally vote, there are many green voters, believe it or not, who apparently are turning to the PPC. Both are kind of anti-establishment parties, and you know people are swapping the greens for the PPC. So, so it's not a quite as, uh, as straightforward on that front as it as it might seem. And the conservatives say it's not one particular they're worried about. They're more worried about things like the block and free fall in, in Quebec, which was happening, but has has been arrested by the uh, what happened in the English language TV debate. With a question about uh, you know, basically, are, are all Quebec Quebecers racist? Uh, many Quebecers felt misunderstood by that, and, and have um, apparently the, the parties tell me that uh, that free fall of block votes and moving towards the Liberals has stopped. Right, that was a real concern, I think, for the Conservatives. Yeah, so that's that change in Quebec obviously is bad for the Liberals, right? It's, yes, well, they, they, the, the Liberals were doing very well, and it, and it, and it threatened to, to give them so many seats that, uh, that the Conservatives couldn't catch up in the, elsewhere in the country. But I yeah. think that uh, that decline has been somewhat arrested. That's the explanation for why we were with the Liberals in three block ridings over the weekend. Yeah. All right, John, it's going to be a very interesting few days leading up to Monday. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. That's John Iveson of the National Post. One of the wealthiest countries in the world. A country that has all the resources, all the technology, all the know-how to fix these problems. These problems should not be here. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues all parties must close the gap between words and actions on Indigenous issues. The Star writes... The problem is agreed on. So too, to a large degree, are the solutions. Remedies have been set out in report after report, most comprehensively by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. What's required is turning all those we-need-tos into we-wills, and then into we-dids. What's needed is faster action on an ongoing emergency. At globalnews.ca, Lori Turnbull argues Aaron O'Toole's make-or-break election moment hinges on the conservative child care plan. Turnbull writes, A key part of Aaron O'Toole's claim to being progressive is his commitment to support for social programs, including child care. 
that he recognizes the need for federal involvement in a child care strategy is a good thing, but his proposal for a tax rebate is simply not enough. This is a major missed opportunity that could cost him the election for failing to appreciate the challenges that families are facing and for relying on old-school conservative logic to justify the underfunding of a critical program. At iPolitics, Andrew Perez argues the PPC's rise demands more thorough coverage by news media. Perez writes, Today, the far right-wing party led by Maxime Bernier is enjoying a new lease on life. It's safe to say its supporters represent a minority of Canadians who are deeply angry about the sweeping government interventions resulting from the COVID-19 pandemic. Until last week, the People's Party of Canada was scarcely covered by mainstream news outlets. It's not about amplifying their voices, but reporting on them accurately and forthrightly so we can better understand the grave danger some of these individuals pose to Canada's pandemic recovery. Now, here's what's coming up on the campaign trail today. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau will make an announcement in Montreal. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole will make an announcement and speak with the media in St. John, New Brunswick. He will also attend an event with supporters in Truro, Nova Scotia. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will hold a news conference in Toronto and meet with supporters in Oshawa and Kingston, Ontario. Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will hold a news conference in Saint-Jérôme, Quebec. And Green Party leader Annemie Paul will take a step away from the campaign trail today. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, September 16th. Tune in to CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for coverage of the federal election campaign. And join me for Have Your Say every weekday on CPAC at 12 Eastern Time. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.